0: I want to preach this word from Nehemiah, the fourth chapter, Nehemiah, the fourth chapter. And I'm in verse one. Now, when Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged and he jeered at the Jews. And he said in the presence of his brothers and of the armies of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heap of rubbish and burn ones at that? And Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and he said, yes, what they are building, if a fox goes up on him, he will break down their stone wall. And we hear Nehemiah and the people's response in verse four. Hear O God, our God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunt on them on their own heads and give them up to the be plundered in the land where they are captives do not cover their guilt and let not their sin be blotted out from your sights for they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders and our focus for today verse 6 and so we built the wall and all the wall was joined together to half its height for the people had a mind to work. I'm going to read that part again. For the people had a mind. Somebody about to catch it. For the people had a mind. To work. You're almost there. For the people had a mind. To work. Nehemiah said, We built it anyways because the people had the right mindset. It was 2017. I was in my house at 615 Light Street. I can give you the address because I moved. (laughs) In Stratford, Connecticut. And it was Super Bowl Sunday. Big day. And I was excited. It was the New England Patriots, those devils, those demons. If you're a Patriots fan, we're praying for you. And it was the Atlanta Falcons. And Atlanta Falcons were having a heck of a year, and they were doing it. And and I was there with DJ Garcia at my house and a bunch of other people. We had a, a small little a little uh, Super Bowl party, and we were so excited. And we were having this party. And the first half of the game, it was amazing. It was glorious. God was moving because the Falcons were beating the daylights out them Patriots. Man, they, they were beating the daylight out of them. And every touchdown they scored, I was running around. I was jumping. And me and, and, and DJ were so excited. And here's why. I was excited because I didn't like Tom Brady. <laughs> Can I be honest with y'all? I, I didn't like Tom Brady at all. I, I hated Tom Brady in the sports kind of hate. Just want to throw that out there. In the way that a man hates an opposing sports team because he respects them so much because they're so good. I can't imagine what the Patriots felt at halftime when the score was 28 to 3. I can't imagine after a whole season of working hard and training camps and weightlifting and doing all the right stuff and winning games, getting to that championship game type of mentality to get manhandled and beat down at the end of the game at the end of the season, that you end up in a place where you are taking an L at the worst time possible. And can I be honest for a second? That might be what we feel like as a church right now, that we're taking a beating because what we believe for and what we sold for and what we worked for has not materialized. Where we dreamed and where we have been faithful, it feels like the carpet might be getting pulled out from under us. I wouldn't want to be in that locker room. I don't know what happened in that locker room, but I learned a lesson that you should not count the score at halftime. Because out came Tom Brady. Tom, terrific. Man. And touchdown after touchdown after touchdown to the last game. And DJ and me went from jubilance to like depression. And that day I began to respect, not like respect, tom brady as the greatest football to ever play, player to ever play the game because he took the team from being 28 to 3 down in a super bowl game and they ended up winning the game 34 to 28 they never even let the next team get close to scoring and can i tell you today i want to preach to you from a simple topic that i've entitled don't count the score at halftime don't count the score at halftime the patriots had the goat tom brady but we got jesus and we got the father on our side and i want to encourage someone this morning that what is a delay is not a denial tell your neighbor don't count the score yet don't count the score now if you got one of those neighbors that don't talk when the pastor says neighbor just tap them and say i'm gonna need you to get involved I'm going to need you to help me out today. I'm going to need you. I saw that over there. I saw the interaction. I'm going to need you to help me out today. And then don't be like, I went to my other neighbor. We're going to need some congregational involvement today. Touch your other neighbor and say, he's talking about you. He's talking about you. Listen. Because some of y'all know who you're sitting next to. They ain't going to say nothing to me. I'm going to go over here. Listen. In the verses that we just read, there's a man whose name is Nehemiah, and he's been burdened by the spirit of God to go back to his home city, Jerusalem, in Israel and rebuild its walls. He was burdened for his home. And Nehemiah was a high-ranking court official of King Artaxerxes, who some believe was the stepson of Queen Esther. And he was the king of Persia at this time. And this man, he sees one day that Nehemiah is downcast. And he says, Nehemiah, what's up with you? And Nehemiah goes to my city, Jerusalem, it's lying in ruins. And the Bible teaches us in, in, in Nehemiah 1 and 2 that he gains the favor of the king. He gains the favor of the king so much so the king sends him with guards. The king sends him with resources. The king sends him with letters to the different parts of the empire that other nations had to give him resources and wood and money and all this stuff. And And the people who were around Jerusalem who were not Jewish were beginning to be enraged that Jerusalem would be rebuilt. Can I stop for a moment to let somebody know they did not want Jerusalem to be rebuilt because if there was a strong Jerusalem... They could not take and have their way with them anymore. If the the city had walls, they couldn't go in there and take whatever they wanted anymore. They did not want a local threat. And so Nehemiah comes with the favor of the king. But can I tell you today that just because you're walking in the favor of God does not mean you don't have to fight. And just because you are walking in the Blessing of the Lord, and you have the clearance of the Lord to build something within a city, it does not mean that you will not face opposition. We have found as a church great favor in the eyes of God, but it does not mean that we will not face opposition in this idea of building something bigger than ourselves. Do you realize what we're trying to do as a church? That we're attempting to reshape a city for the gospel? That we're attempting to win enough souls to have a tipping point of righteousness in the area. That we're building a legacy bigger than ourselves. That we're building something that is for our children's children so that we would leave an inheritance in the earth. And anytime you do that, you are going to raise up and arouse some demonic forces. Verse 2, Sam Ballard says this. In the presence of his brothers in the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of heaps and rubbish and burned ones at that? He's mocking them saying, what do these folks think they're going to do? Who do they think they were? I'm going to take some liberty with the text. Don't mind me, right? I'm going to read verse two, but I'm going to I'm going to 2023 citywide. Hit. And he said in the presence of his demonic forces and the army of Satan, what are these feeble citywide folk doing? Will they restore Bridgeport for themselves? Will they sacrifice in their resources? Will they finish up in a day and win souls? Will they revive the stones of the abandoned buildings and blighted buildings in the city? We said on January 31st that we were going to see two things this year. If you remember and you go back in your, in your mental Rolodex, we said we would see outpouring and we would see unparalleled opposition. If you remember correctly, My exact words were, we would experience more spiritual warfare this year than we have ever experienced before. That it would be, my exact word was unprecedented, the amount of spiritual warfare that we would see. And I got to tell you, we've experienced some stuff this year, but up until this point, we've been pretty good. You know what that tells me? It's time to go to war. It's time to fight. And our posture as a church has to be, somebody say, unified. I tell you this, though that this opposition is not a manly opposition that we're facing. This is not some organization against us. This is not some people against us. This is Ephesians 6:12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers, against rulers, authorities, and the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. And then he says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, Nehemiah understood, I'm facing human opposition, but this is a spiritual battle. I'm going to say that again for somebody. This is a spiritual battle. I need to tell someone today, don't look at this with natural eyes, but look at it with spiritual eyes. As disappointing as it may be, I've been carrying this disappointment for a couple of weeks now, but I know that this is spiritual. They do not want a strong Jerusalem in this text. They don't want a fortified Jerusalem in this text. They don't want good leaders in Jerusalem. They wanted access to Jerusalem. They wanted weakness there. Can I tell you, the enemy doesn't want a gospel-centered church in Bridgeport. The enemy doesn't want a soul-winning church in Bridgeport. He does not want a prayer house in Bridgeport. He does not want a worship team writing songs for the region because the best songs from the region should be for the region and from the region. He don't want a Christians school being raised up he don't want a 24 hour house of prayer being raised up he don't want any of that and so he will oppose us at every step the enemy does not want a blood washed bridgeport in jesus name and so what did nehemiah do we could take a lesson from nehemiah they did not talk amongst themselves they did not gossip They did not wonder they knew they had been assigned to build church we've been we've been called to build in this city We've been called to build the house of God in this city, in this region. And Nehemiah brings this issue to the Lord. He understands that it's the covenant-keeping God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that is the only one who can answer his prayer at that moment. He's the only one who can rescue them from the threats of their enemies. And my first point for you today is very simple. That intercession is the remedy for opposition to the mission. It's only prayer in this. We've done everything else. We've done the giving. We've done the singing. We've done the sewing. Now it's time to get together and to begin to pray that the Lord offer us breakthrough, whether from this door that looks closed or from any other door that he wants to open, that, Lord, you would bring that breakthrough right here and right now. Because in Nehemiah's day, the people got together and they prayed. They cried out and they interceded. They prayed and they sought the Lord and they said, Lord, you, you are provoked. Can I tell you that anytime someone messes with the king's kids, he gets provoked. If I, as an earthly father, will lose my everything if you touch one of my kids. You want to see somebody real nice and calm and sweet go crazy? You want to see Marisol right there? This very nice, quiet, humble. You want to see her go nuts, touch one of her kids? I never knew that I could really, you know, do some some very criminal stuff until I had kids. I never knew I had it in me to kill somebody. I remember once I was driving on Stratford Ave and they came near my car, almost hit me. I lost all of my Jesus, and my wife is just looking at me. And I know she's upset when she says, "Lewis." And I was like, "Yes! Like, don't they know I have a princess in the car?" Because there's nothing like when somebody messes with your kids. And so God was provoked on behalf of Nehemiah. But God being on your side doesn't matter until you give Him permission to intervene. Some of you want God to do stuff so you haven't asked Him to do. And just because you don't, God gonna get you. That don't work like that. You gotta pray, and you got to seek the Lord. I turn your attention back to the text, to the words of Nehemiah in verse 6, the first sentence. And he says, and so we built the wall. Nehemiah, as he writes this, he writes this likely at the end of his, towards the end of his life as he's reflecting on all that has happened. And he's already completed the wall. He's reflecting back on on the moment that they received the opposition and what was their response. Number one, they prayed. But number two, they continued to build This is so important, church. What they were building wasn't small. These walls around Jerusalem were two and a half miles. They were 39 feet tall. They were eight feet wide with 34 watchtowers and eight gates. And the scripture says that they, in spite of the opposition, continued to build. They continued to build. This has got to be the posture of our church right now. That first we pray and second we build. I got about six people who are like, amen, yeah. First we pray, and then we build. He said, and so we built the wall. I like to read that with a little bit of attitude. Add a couple of just little extra saison and flavor there. So (laughs) we built the wall anyways. We built it in spite of what they said. We built it in spite of what looked like closed doors. The message version says, we kept at it. We didn't stop repairing and rebuilding the wall you need to catch this each of us in our church need to understand this that they were not discouraged to stop they were encouraged to keep on going because anytime you you encounter the enemy in your life you are headed in the right direction anytime you 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 kind of encounter the the devil trying to hinder you you realize oh now i know i'm in the right direction Now I know. I I stirred up some spirits. I stirred up some demonic activity because I've been doing this thing over here. Now I know. Here's point number two, that we will not be discouraged to quit. We will be inspired to build. We will not be encouraged or discouraged rather to quit in this season, but we must be inspired to build. Let this be the testimony of every God-faring, sanctified person who is a part of this church that we kept on building. Tell the person next you keep on building. You should catch it in your spirit. You should mark it in your Bible. And so we build the wall. Change it however you need to. And so we kept on winning souls. And so we kept on discipling new converts and so we kept writing songs and so we kept interceding as a church and so we kept on bringing new people to church and so we kept on preaching the gospel and so we kept on worshiping like we had no mind and we kept on praising him even when doors looked closed and we kept on sowing even when we didn't see what it was for and we kept on doing everything that God told us to do we kept on praying, we kept on fasting we kept on seeking God we kept on raising our children in the way of God. We kept on coming to church because we weren't discouraged. We kept on because we understand that God responds to movement. Our hearts may be heavy but our hope is high because of he who has sent us to build. And while the enemy might bring discouragement, the Lord, he says, keep on building. And so we built the wall. And so we built it. kept on building we're gonna keep on building church we ain't gonna stop we're gonna keep on winning souls we're gonna keep on having parking problems i'm gonna have them worse than ever until they have to watch on an led screen in the parking lot in their car because we got too many folks up in the building until until there's people hanging off the rafters we're going to keep on saving people and leading them to jesus because every opposition is an opportunity You know, I I, I learned this years ago. I haven't said this in a couple of years, just for some of you new folks. That how you handle your last no determines your next yes. That how you handle your last no from God determines when you hear your next yes. And so Lord, I, I don't know what you're doing, but I know that you have our best interest at heart and that, Lord, you are going to do what you have to do in this house and that we will still see the goodness of God in the land of the living and we are still poised to do anything God calls us to do and we are still in a position both spiritually and financially to do whatever we have to do as a house. That was a great place to be like, amen. And we must keep on building. This is a year of outpouring and if we don't have our cups out, we won't receive it. As for me and my house, As for the Burgos house, as for Aria and Mila and Emmy, and as for Jesenia and Lewis, we're going to keep on building. We're going to keep on praying. We're going to keep on seeking. We're going to keep on sowing because we're believing with unwavering faith that God has something imminent for us as a house. And Nehemiah says, and so we built the wall. And so we built it let's recap before we close right intercession is the remedy for opposition to us we have to pray and the lord has been weighing this on me heavily and then secondly we will not be discouraged to quit we must be inspired to build in spite of the opposition nehemiah and the people of israel continued to build here's verse six again so we built the wall and all the wall was joined together my god to half its height for the People had a two. I got some help in the back. For the people had a two. Some of y'all started helping me. I don't know about y'all yet. And so the people had a two. They want to compete right now. Y'all heard that now. They they stepped up. Praise the Lord. For the people had a mind to work. Notice, notice there are three steps. Number one, they prayed. They prayed. Whenever you face opposition, maybe you're in from our church, that's all right. If you face opposition, step one is pray. No matter what, step one is pray. Number two is keep on doing what God told you to do. They kept on building. But how did they build? Listen to what he says. All the wall was joined together. Here's what he's saying. We closed up every breach in the wall. We closed up every gap in the wall. See, some of us got a hole in this gap in our life. Compromising right now and God's like you know what I want to open the door but there's too much compromise in some of the people we got to close that up before we move forward maybe your prayer life isn't what it should be I wish I had a witness man he's like close the gaps up I'm gonna give you an opportunity to close the gaps up Maybe maybe there's a gap in your thinking and a gap in what you're pursuing in this season and you're shifting pursuits and God's like, I don't know if that's it right now. You should close the gap on what you're pursuing. Close the gap on these breaches that are in your life and in the house so that we can bring the wall together. He said, we recognize that we had to close the gaps in the wall and recognize the areas where the enemy can come in on your life. Church, we're in a season where we have to choose what mind we're going to have. And if we're going to have a mind to work, then it's going to mean that we have to close up some breaches in our life. From the smallest to the great. Does it matter what it is? What mind do you have? What mind do you have when you face opposition? Do you fall back and quit or do you step up and step out? I think it's the famous theologian Mike Tyson who said, everybody has a plan. Until you get punched in the face. Great theologian Mike Tyson there. Sometimes it's the simplest things that make the most sense. You think you're killing it, but you get popped in the face. And what's the plan? I don't even know. I'm evaluating my whole life. Some of y'all laughed with conviction like that happened to y'all in the hood or something. Like, back on my mind. What mind do you have and what's your plan in this season? Will you press and believe? Because here's what the Bible says they only built the wall halfway. Don't count the score at halftime yet. They built it halfway up. And in verses 7, 8, and 9, they tried assembling armies to come against him, and he continued to build. And, And although the enemy never attacked, they just talked. That's a good word right there. They just talked, they never attacked. They just plotted. They never had the place. They never had a real plan in place. Because when you're walking with the favor of the King, I wish I had about ten people who understood that. You can talk all you want. You can say whatever you want about me, about the church, about the house of God. But we are walking with the favor, and we have been called. And citywide is going nowhere. We're gonna believe. We're digging our feet in the ground and trusting the Lord come on stand with me we're trusting the Lord here's point number three I want to give you point number three real quick before we go we're going to worship the Lord right here in a moment and we're going to take a prophetic action here's point number three that the mind I have determines the grind that I have that if I got the mind that God is on my side then I will grind this thing out in prayer and faithfulness That I won't waver in my commitments. That I won't think twice about what I promised. And that I will go forward because the Lord is with me. And the opposition and the attack on your mind and your heart and on your life, it cannot sustain beyond your mind being fixated on God. And when your mind is set that God is faithful and he will do what he said, you will be in the right place. The first thing we got to do is set our minds it's only half time tell the person next to you it's only half time it's only half time it's only half time I mean that with all my heart the Lord the Lord is telling me he's reminding me of his past faithfulness in this current season Earlier this week I was in prayer and we had our leaders meeting on Friday where we told the leaders and we had an, the presence of God broke out here on Friday night as we prayed and as we worshiped In a way that I can't tell you and I'm happy to report to you our leadership is unified and we are moving forward our board of directors is unified and we are moving forward no breaking ranks we are believing and we are trusting the Lord but I was reminded in 2021 I had a a, a dream and and when I have dreams like I don't think that every dream is prophetic when somebody tells me they had a dream I ask them. You know, um, what did you eat the night before? If you had tacos, they don't count. And so we asked them, you know, I just had this dream. And when I remember my dreams, I write them down. And in my dream, we had entered into a new church facility. We were in this massive new building and there was this ballroom, much like the one at the synagogue. And on that, in that ballroom, there was a stage, much like at the synagogue. And on that stage was Pastor Liliam. Now pause, if you don't know who Pastor Lilliam is, she right here, this white here. Raise your hand, Pastor Lilliam. We love you so much. And she's our intercessory pastor. She's our prayer leader in the church. And and and, and in the dream, she was on the stage in a bed with the biggest smile on her face and she kind of said to me, mijo, come here. And I went up to her and then that was the last part of my dream. And I know the Lord reminded me of that this week because we've done everything but now we have to pray. Because the bed represents intimacy and Pastor Lillian represents prayer. And we need to pray like we've never prayed before to open doors that we've never had opened before. I'm gonna say that again. We need to pray like never before to open doors we've never had open before. And so I, I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And this is what he told me. I want you to cancel everything in church. I said, done. I text people, what do you have going on? I'm like, I have this, I have that. I was like, no, you don't. I love you, but you don't have it anymore. Sorry, Melissa and the women's ministry. Praise God. <laughs> we love you. You forgive me. Praise the Lord. Just grace. Amen. I said, what do you want me to do? He said, I want you to call the church to pray. And whether you come or not, I'm going to be here because I have to lead by example. Here's what the Lord told me. I want you to pray from seven to eight every night for six days straight, six days straight. I want you to pray and trust and believe. And here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that at the end of six days, all of our issues will be handled. I'm saying at the end of six days, we will be ready, willing, able to listen to the Lord for what's next. We are exploring every option. We have great leaders. We have great teams. We have a great board of directors who is handling this with with grace. And we have a great Enjoy team, our stewardship team, for our City Legacy Project. Amen diamondique and vicky and askar and ty have been doing a phenomenal job with pivoting on this you'll see today when you go on the website there's a different look on the website for the for the city legacy project we're going to keep this project going for all those who want to do that and we we have a video up there we took down all the pictures of the synagogue because they didn't want us to have them up there anymore we said we love you still anyways it's okay but we're praying and we're trusting and we're believing the lord Our first response has to always be prayer. So, I even want to take right now, in a moment, as we worship, and we're going to seek the Lord and we're going to pray. Can we take a few minutes today and pray? Is that all right? We need to pray. No altar call today. If you need Jesus, come talk to me afterwards. I'll I'll lead you in a sinner's prayer. But right now, we need to do some spiritual warfare and seeking the Lord in our prayer and in our worship. Would you lift your hands across the sanctuary? Lord simultaneously there's disappointment but Lord there is encouragement because we're still whole as a church we've lost nothing in this process I'm gonna say that again we've lost nothing in this process I'm gonna say that one more time we've lost nothing in this process and you preserved us and you saw and you knew and you preserved us and father we speak blessing over the congregation Roda shalom We speak blessing over them, Father God. But Lord, we ask you to look upon our need in this moment and give us the grace to seek after you, to come after your heart. Give us the grace to be unified as a congregation and to break forth in intercession. Lord, silence the voices from the outside and help us to fixate only on you because you are what matters in this moment. Come on, with our hands uplifted as a sign of surrender, we just worship you and magnify you. And as we worship in this moment, God, we're declaring to you, Lord, we're willing to move and we're willing to wait. We're willing to take action and we're willing to be still. Whatever you say, not our plans, your plans. Come on, keep your hands up lifted as we worship him in this moment.